The follow-up is simple. Ask a question, listen to the answer, then follow up. I'm your host, Noah Kozlov. Enjoy. The follow-up today is with John Scott. Over eight seasons, he played 286 games in the NHL, 544 minutes in the penalty box. He was the 2016 NHL All-Star Game MVP. He's an author. The book is A Guy Like Me Fighting to Make the Cut. He's a podcast host, Dropping the Gloves. He's also a father to five daughters. So, John, what moment from your career, non-All-Star Game related, because I feel like that's a completely separate moment, do you replay in your mind most frequently? Yeah, it's funny. It's not a positive one. When I look back, it was when I was with the Blackhawks. I first signed there, and it was my first game playing with the team. And I took a one-on-one with Valtteri Filpula, and it was first period, like second shift. And I absolutely fell, you know, on my behind, and he went around me for a goal. I just remember that terrible feeling. I was like, oh no, let it like because you want to make a good first impression with the team, and you're you know you want to you want to do good your first game, and then you just totally bungle it. So that that was my moment. I always think about when I when I think back in my career. I'm like, man, that that one just cannot go away for some reason. How'd you recover from that? Um, you just put it behind you, but it's tough. You know, the, you you get sat for a little bit. The coach really doesn't trust you anymore after that point, and you just really try to not make that mistake again because the coach doesn't know you from a hole in the wall and it's your first game and he's like well he got beat wide he fell down he's not very good at hockey so you just gotta prove him wrong and just try to you know gain his trust back again and how do how do teammates maybe it's even veterans on the team how do they help you through that they just go don't worry about it it happens but it doesn't happen that often it was a freak thing i still don't know how i watched video on it It was just some strange thing right caught an edge but they just try to you know pick you up don't worry about it but everyone when in that situation they know Ooh, that was that wasn't very good so it's just uh it was a crummy situation so what are you gonna do yeah did, did you have to watch film on it as a team no you know the coaches they're not that ruthless they know when a guy makes a mistake it's a really bad mistake they they don't really hammer it home because i think the players are harder on themselves than the coaches ever could be and they just let that one slide. They focus on the other stuff that maybe players don't see, and they want to make a teaching moment out of it, and they, you can't really teach much when someone falls down. It's just, you know, uh, something that happens. It was an accident. So, no, luckily they didn't hammer it home because I, <laughs> I think I would have crumbled on that. What what type of pressure is, is on you trying to make a good first impression when you join a new team? It's massive. It, it's happened a few times, even mid-season when a new coach comes on. It's happened to me at least a half a dozen times, if not more. And, and you want to make that first good impression because if you don't, then the coach, like I said, doesn't trust you. He's going to base his first interactions on players within the first few weeks. And if you gain that trust, he says, oh, look at John. Can, he can play. He can do this. He can do that. I, I can trust him on the ice. And if you don't do that, then it just takes so much longer. And coaches... It's funny, once they get that impression of you, it's very hard for them to change that. And it's, it's huge. Every player feels it. Every player tries as hard as they can when you get to a new team or you have a new coach come in. You just notice that the level of the game gets amped up a lot. And the guys, you know, they just want to perform at their best for a new coach. Who do you, who do you feel like you got off to the best start with? Which coach? 
um, Ted Nolan in Buffalo. He came to Buffalo. We weren't a very good team at that point. And he he came in. He said, listen, I'm going to play the guys who work hard. I'm going to play the guys who, who try their, their best every shift. And I went out there. And I, I, I've never been the most skilled player, but I've always given it my all. And he saw that, and he could trust me. And I wasn't, you know, playing terrible. And he, he played me a ton, and it was great. And I was playing my best hockey of my life when he came in, and it, and it just kind of worked out perfectly. And he, he gave me a ton of ice time and gave me that trust, and it worked out well. Any coaches ever try to get you to not be the enforcer? Um, yeah, he was one of them where he said, I know it's your role, and I know that's where you're most effective, but it's it's not something I, I stress that you do, which is funny because he's a hard-nosed coach, and he loves that, that side of the game, but he would tell me before games, like, you don't have to fight, you don't have to do this if you don't want to, and I was like, perfect. And it just mm-hmm. kind of lifts a weight off your shoulders where – Coaches that don't do that, that's all you think about. You kind of stress about fighting. You stress about the preparation for it and what, what's going to happen that game. But if you're not thinking about that, you can focus on playing, which is nice. It was refreshing to know that I'm going to play 10, 15 minutes and I don't have to you know, worry about fighting somebody. So he, he was the one who really stressed it the most. What would you say, John, the, the percentage of fights that you had that you actually didn't want to fight, but you just couldn't help it? Um, jeez. I try not to do it unless I really wanted to, but there's always circumstances where it it happens, especially when you're younger, you have to prove yourself. So I'd say a good 25% of all of my fights were just kind of like going through the motions. I don't want to be there, but I have to do this, so I'm going to do it. So, yeah, I'd say 25%, which isn't too bad for, you know, someone of my ilk. Right. (laughs) Were there there certain players that you wanted to engage with in a fight over your career who just never either took the bait or you didn't have the opportunity to? You know, no, I would have been nice to, to tussle with a few guys who, like um, Brian McGratton, I've always wanted to, but our paths just never crossed, it seems like. And he was one of the tougher guys, and I never had a chance to kind of prove myself versus him. But for the most part, you, you if there's a big guy, you play against him, you, you know, you engage him. And that's what we did. But I would say he was my one where if there was a bucket list of guys who I played against and it didn't happen, he would be the one. Who are the, guy, who are the guys in the league? And I, always, I like asking athletes from all different sports this. Who are the guys in the league that thought they were tougher than they were? You know, it's always the, the littler guys who just talk a, a big game and they try to prove themselves. But, jeez, um, it's tough to say, but... Guys like, I know, I, I, Tom Sestito always thought he was the, the number one guy in the league, and he, he just never really backed it up. He showed up sometimes, but he was a guy who just I was never worried about at all. Um, but for the most part, you know, no one really showed off and kind of puffed up their chest like they were tougher than they weren't. The, the guys who played that role, they were mostly respectful. But, yeah, he was the only one. I don't know why. Every time someone asks me who I didn't like or who this and that, his name always comes up. I just, he rubbed me the wrong way. I don't know why, but he just did. <laughs> you ever have a, a one-on-one conversation with him? Never. Never. He kind of jumped me from behind one game in the preseason. And then after that, we never, I would have loved to have, you know, went at him again. But he always turned me down because he said he had an injury or he couldn't do it. Then he was always fighting my teammates the same game. So that's just the type of guy he is. So he, so he won't be a podcast guest? No, he, he would be a great one. He would be a fantastic one because I would love to pick his brain about why he was such a weenie about the whole thing. So that would, but no, 
not anytime soon if he's read my book or listened to any, any interviews I've done about him. Well, maybe he'd like to tell his side of the story. That would be great, because I heard he's a great guy off the ice, you know, but I've never seen him off the ice. <laughs> well, I'd imagine he might be avoiding you. John, thanks so much. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you so much. Have a good one. John's memoir is called A Guy Like Me. His podcast is The Life of an NHL Tough Guy, and the movie rights to his life story have already been bought. I've said it before on the podcast and talked about it with Brian Miller, episode 18, Dan Moriarty in episode 30. Hockey players are just a different breed, and John Scott fits right in. Go on YouTube and watch NHL all-access videos to see how players talk to each other on the ice, and also how they talk to the officials. You'll be shocked. And I promise you'll click the next one. And despite what you think about fighting in hockey, it's part of the sport. Not in the way that it used to be, of course, but it's how John made a living after college at Michigan Tech and then for nine teams over 10 seasons in the minors and the NHL. John's website is johnscottallstar.com. You can like his Facebook page, follow him on Twitter at johnscott underscore 32 and Instagram at jhs underscore 32, where you can see pictures of his wife, five daughters, Five daughters. You'll smile, promise. It won't stress you out. I'm on Twitter at Noah Kozlov, C-O-S-L-O-V, and Instagram at Wawa Run. Please subscribe to the podcast, rate and review it on iTunes with five stars, and I'll read your review on the show, like this one from JDoc1975. A fun, entertaining listen with an outstanding host. I don't even pay people to write these. Thanks for taking the time to join us on The Follow-Up. The Follow-Up is a production of Vocal. For more information and more programming, please visit vocalnow.com. That's V-O-K-A-L-N-O-W dot com. Yeah.